I won't subject you to any more of that. That's the sound of thousands of servers working. Or more accurately, the fans that cool the servers. Infrastructure like this is the backbone providing the data many businesses have come to rely on. When it comes to protecting this data, a first thought might be to secure tech like this. But before doing this, businesses need to go back to basics, says my guest on Business Briefing. Craig Horn, I'm the chairman of the Australian Computer Society in Victoria, and I'm also a PhD student studying security at the University of Melbourne. I caught up with Craig after a panel discussion with business leaders and government on cybersecurity. I asked him where businesses need to start with this issue. Understand the value of the data that organisations hold. Without that crucial first step, organisations get lost in trying to understand whether they should be trusting external providers or internal providers around the safety and use of their information. And once you do understand that, then you can make intelligent decisions about what to do with that data. KFC found out recently that if you're not, you know, the information can leak. And if uh, you are going to outsource the infrastructure for your organisation, for example, and adopt cloud-based technologies, then you perhaps may need to think about whether to encrypt that data first or not. And that comes with its own cost, but equally might come with its own security. I guess a lot of businesses would argue that because they're in the, they're a commercial business, therefore their information is sensitive. Do you think that applies across the board? Yeah, so the way I like to explain it is at a very basic level, there's usually three types of information. Uh, just general, unclassified information. For example, think about a sales brochure. You want the whole world to see that information. You don't want to keep that secret. You want everyone in the whole world reading about your products and services. The next level up would be, at a broad level, commercial and confidence. And think about your company emails, for example. And thirdly, you've got the highest level, which would be top secret information for the army or a, the chemical formula for a new drug being brought to market by CSL Limited or some other pharmaceutical or uh, the financial accounts for a bank. One of the panellists today said that one of their best IT discovery people doesn't have a university qualification. Is there a need for people who don't have particular degrees, people who have more broader range of skills in terms of cybersecurity in, in businesses at the moment? Yes, yeah, so the IT industry in general is forecast to be a $139 billion industry in Australia by 2020, and there's forecast a 21% gap in skills by then. The people that will work as professionals in information security over the coming years will come from all walks of life and fulfil different roles within that. So that could include in roles where there's a high degree of professional services involved, for example, penetration testers, ethical hacking, white hat hacking, um, auditing of security posture, and through to perhaps uh, tertiary educated people that do have a university degree and are willing to talk about information security at a strategic level and provide that level of consulting. There was also, aside from the, the personnel issue today, talk about the infrastructure around cybersecurity. Do you think there are gaps in the way that businesses in particular look after their cybersecurity infrastructure at the moment? This is the biggest gap of all for me. This is where our leaders, our IT leaders and business leaders need to become more educated and understand what the discussion's all about. If you hold sensitive information, you can't afford to outsource the infrastructure on which that information sits. You just have to insource the infrastructure, run your own computer data centre and just suck up the cost. It's the cost of doing business, unfortunately. If, however, you are running a fish and chip shop, you've got an online ordering system to augment 
the company revenue by an additional 10% uplift, then it's perhaps safe to outsource the infrastructure that supports your website and take advantage of the very large security budgets that vendors like Microsoft and Amazon invest in the security of the platforms that they provide to the public through cloud technologies. What is it about outsourcing, particularly for those companies that have very sensitive information, that makes it vulnerable? The data centres that provide the infrastructure as a service or platform as a service or software as a service these days are quite complex. The back-to-back -back contracts involved involve many layers. And so, for example, if we take a data centre, a typical data centre, it will involve concrete walls and there'll be big power feeds into the organisation, into the, into the centre and big air conditioning feeds. The next layer in is that companies will rent out a hall. There might be six halls within a data centre. Once a company's rented out a hall, <coughs> it will then sublet space in that hall to another company. They'll take out a rack or two racks or a pod. Then once they've done that, they will rent out space in their pod or rack to other companies to host their websites. Then there'll be other companies that will come in and provide the tin, uh, the, the actual servers themselves that will host the websites. So there's many back-to-back -back contracts here and each one represents a new vulnerability, potentially. And therein lies the risk. That's the risk that needs to be managed. And with so many layers in there and so many risks to the organisation, how do we, how do you trust the safeguarding of the information? You, and perhaps for some companies it's just not possible to do that. We've had a lot of focus from the government at the moment in terms of STEM graduates, science, technology, engineering and maths. Do you think there's other types of degrees or, or other ways that university students could be trained to really canvas a variety of problems and, and, um, and issues that you're, you're raising in cybersecurity? One of the key skills that we need our graduates to have is to be job ready. So once they finish their university degree, a lot of organisations are often reluctant to take on graduates because they find that perhaps you know, they've been studying parallel operating systems but they don't actually know how to reboot a computer in real world operations. And I am happy to put my hand up and say I was one of them. So uh, there's a lot more focus these days around making sure that graduates get the opportunities to to have internships or work in businesses and get their foot in the door and understand how businesses operate and how they can add value. Companies at the moment might be fearful about um, protecting their own information, if, especially if they're unsure about cybersecurity. But there was emphasis today in the panel discussion about sharing information, working together makes us stronger, that sort of mentality. How much of that do you think needs to go on and how much do companies need to keep it under their hats? When companies are attempting to fight threat actors, who are attempting to steal their information or disrupt their operations in some way, it can be you against the world, and it's a very lonely place. So by collaborating with other organisations, for example, imagine all the banks sharing threat intelligence, the latest attacks that they've seen that are unique, customised, dynamic, targeted towards them. They, if they share that information with other banks, then banks are better prepared by discovering what the and turning unknown threats into known threats. Once we know about a threat, we can defend against it. But if it's an unknown threat and there's a lot of unknown threats, we can't defend against those. And by sharing our information with others, law of reciprocity means that they'll share their threat intelligence with us. So it's more uh, sharing information about the threats rather than how you're increasing your resilience as a company. Correct. And it's also a duty of care to the customers and people that we're trying to protect. For example, if an organisation holds their personal private details of their staff and that information gets hacked, they have 
I would argue, and common decency to disclose to those people that their information has been stolen. The amount of information it seems in, in the world at the moment is increasing, you know, big data is, is more of a thing for companies now. The internet of things is becoming more prevalent as well, where different devices are connecting and, and sharing information. With this increase in the amount of information that is out there in cyberspace, do you think that increases the security threat? Certainly does. I was upset to discover that Facebook is now suggesting business colleagues to me to add as friends and the only reason it can be doing that is because it's reading my business emails on my mobile phone. So there is a mix of information. We do need to understand. It all begins with understanding exactly what information we own as a com or as an organisation and where that information is moving to and from. If we don't know that, then we can't protect it. I heard an acronym BYOD, bring your own device. There was probably a lot of people out there who are employees who can relate to this or use their own devices in business and, and vice versa, take the business devices home and maybe use them outside of what they would do in business. Is this increasing use of hardware for different purposes a threat to cybersecurity? Yeah, it is. And along with those threats come the standard preventative applications that help you defend against those threats, such as mobile device management. This MDM, mobile device management software, allows organisations to block certain applications from being used on mobile phones during work hours. And then once employees leave, they become available again. So what's happening with BYOD, Bring Your Own Device, what's happening is that the budget for use of devices to perform work is being shared between organisation and employee. So traditionally in the past, an organisation would absorb the cost of providing the device to employees to be able to perform the work effort as directed by the supervisors at work. With BOID, what's happening is they're creating a Wi-Fi platform and allowing staff or employees to bring their own devices, their own mobile phones that they're familiar with. I personally enjoy using an iPhone. I don't know anything about Android or Windows phones and I'm useless at using them, but equally people that are good at those are useless at iPhones. So it's about customer preference, engaging, allowing um, employees to to have better experiences at work and making them more mobile, uh, collaborative, scalable and ultimately more comfortable and productive at work. That's Craig Horn, PhD candidate researching information security strategies at the University of Melbourne. I'm Jenny Henderson, Melbourne Business and Economy Editor for The Conversation. Our theme music is by Ben Sound, and you can read more about cybersecurity on our website, where you can also find other episodes of Business Briefing.